The 88th legislative session is set to begin in just under two months. State lawmakers will be faced with a litany of issues. Chief among those issues is the ever-increasing property tax burden on Texas taxpayers. On today's bonus episode of Taxpayer Talks, we have a conversation with Russell Bennett, who helps run an organization who's made it their sole mission to eliminate the property tax. Let's get into it. Taxpayer Talks is brought to you by Texans for Fiscal Responsibility, and it's only made possible from generous donations from listeners like you. If you want to support our work, you can visit texastaxpayers.com slash donate to make a tax-deductible contribution today. Thank you. Hey, everyone. This is Tim Harden, president of Texans for Fiscal Responsibility. I am here with Jeremy Kitchen, our executive director, and we are here with special guest Russell Bennett today. Russell, how are you doing? I'm great. Thank you. Good. Good to have you. Jeremy, how are you doing today? I'm excited for this one. This will be great. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, this is our bonus episode. And so we are going to be talking to Russell Bennett specifically about property taxes. Uh, I'm going to give Russell a chance to kind of uh, give his background. He runs a big Facebook group that I'm actually personally a part of. Uh, so Russell, could you tell us kind of who you are, what you've been doing in politics for the last you know, 10 or so years, uh, and what you're uh, specifically advocating for right now? Well, uh, I've been involved in politics since I was uh, a teenager and could vote. But uh, recently, the most recent thing that we're doing today is advocating to eliminate property tax. And that actually started with a, with a bill that uh, Deborah Medina, who was a candidate for governor 10 years ago, she was advocating for. And that bill was introduced in 2013. Well, nobody returned to carry it forward. So I, uh, through a cir- cir- series of circumstances, uh, wound up uh, becoming an advocate for that same bill. And we started uh, advocating for it in 2017. That's when I started the Facebook group. And it's grown from uh, just a few people to over 23,000 today. Yeah, it's 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 really impressive. Uh, I like the group. It's really encouraging. Uh, and, you know, in conversations we've had, uh, I remember Deborah Medina back in 2013. That was my first year in the legislature. Uh, and I didn't realize that we we had actually run into each other uh, in the legislature in the past as well. You had informed me. And so uh, I, I really did wonder, like, especially when we were talking about property taxes, like what happened to Medina's idea? And so uh, let's let's talk about that bill. And so you are advocating for a very specific bill. And so if you could just kind of give us a general overview, what does the bill actually do? Uh, what does it do to the tax code? Uh, and and why are you in support of it? Well, Deborah is the you know like I said, she's the one that uh, started advocating for it, and that's how I was introduced to it. I I attended her home meetings once a month, and was a big supporter of her. Uh, she got the bill from a colleague of mine, and Deborah is still involved today. Uh, but, but, the, but the man who is the architect behind the bill is Rick Cunningham. He's an, an economist attorney who uh, started looking for a solution to eliminate property tax uh, back in 2010. And he couldn't find anybody that had done any research down to the taxing jurisdiction level. There was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of studies done on a, on a macro economic basis, but not, nobody had gone down into the, the detail of of uh, what would happen to the local taxing jurisdictions. And that's really where uh, it is most the most difficult 
uh, aspect of eliminating property taxes is where, where it comes in. But as a result of his bill uh, or result of his uh, uh, research that he'd done, and he published a 159-page uh, study on it, which was a detailed analysis, uh, he came up with a solution that uh, would eliminate property tax, not only eliminate property tax, but 60 other taxes, major sources of revenue for the state of government, uh, and replace it with a 7% consumption tax. And from and, and from that solution, he developed, he wrote the bill uh, that was introduced, that was, that was advocated for by Deborah. Uh, it was introduced or, or authored in 2013 by George Lavender. And uh, that solution uh, was, was uh, went to the Ways and Means Committee. They, they got through it. They, they, uh, they had a, a hearing for it. But time ran out in the session. And nobody returned to carry it forward. So uh, that's where I picked it up a couple, well, in 2017. And uh, the bill is, um, a, what, what the basic bill uh, is, is to, is to uh, is a revenue neutral solution to replace the current uh, Rube Goldberg taxing situation that we have in Texas today with all the many hidden, mostly hidden and pyramiding uh, or compounding uh, taxes that we have behind the scenes, and to replace it with a with a a simple, transparent, efficient consumption tax uh, of seven percent. The the way that happens, and because you know, as as people will hear in uh, other testimonies and and uh, the uh, opponents of the bill, uh, they'll say, "Oh, we'll have a twenty three or twenty five percent sales tax." Like, no, we don't. Uh, what we need to do is we need to broaden the tax base. And uh, and a lot of the studies have been done to show that that's feasible, that we could simply tax the things that other states are taxing and expand our base to the point where we would have a, a, a low enough consumption tax to replace all these taxes without it becoming onerous or regressive. And so that the simple example is that we need about $86 billion dollars to replace all of the uh, revenue that would be eliminated uh, by our solution. And uh, today uh, our GDP in Texas is approximately $1.9 trillion. So if you were to take 100% of that uh, and apply 7% tax to it, we'd wind up with 133 billion. But we, it's not feasible to tax the entire uh, GDPs, but we assume that it, it is feasible to tax 65 or 70% of that. And that gives us that $86 billion that we could use to replace it. So, uh, but the main the main concern is of course, to eliminate property tax. And it's not, it's not because of, uh, you know, not just because taxes are rising and putting people out of their homes, but it's because uh, that, that's, that's simply the, the situation is with the property tax, we don't own our homes. Anything that's uh, property taxed is not owned at all, and no tax should have the power to leave us homeless. So that is the fundamental principle why we want to do this. And uh, our solution, and we think it's the best one, is to use a consumption tax to do that. Russell, we appreciate you being on. Um, you know, I assume as this has come up with uh, whether it was former state representative George Lavender, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, it was now former state representative James White who carried it 2017, yes. 2019, uh, whenever it was. 
obviously, you know, not getting across the finish line, whether because of uh, deadlines or, or pushback, uh, twofold question, what kind of pushback do you generally get from lawmakers on this subject? And then two, how do you all address maybe a criticism, maybe not the fact that like, because it's a revenue neutral, right, proposal, um, you don't necessarily address the the government spending aspect of this, right? Like the, the spending that necessitates them having to have this revenue. How would you approach that? Well, those are, those are good questions. Uh, I want to say, yes, we did get this filed. Uh, after working with uh, James White for several years, uh, he stepped up uh, last session and he followed it. He followed it in every session that we had. And we wound up with 17 uh, authors and co-authors that joined with us. And so most of those, uh, about uh, half of them I've, I've spoken to, and they're, they're seriously uh, looking at supporting the, the bill again. Um, but um, the thing about this bill that we usually get, and there's, you know, it's been interesting uh, to talk to legislators. And uh, the ones that have been around this block before usually go right to the heart of the matter and say, well, how are you going to do this with jurisdictions that don't have enough uh, sales revenue, you know, from, from consumption tax. Uh, and I said, yeah, we understand that. Uh, in Rick's study, though, he determined that this solution would replace 95% of all sales tax in Texas. That last 5% is, is the challenge. And it's because uh, of that, that uh, very situation where you have jurisdictions that have no or little um, goods or services being sold. So what do you do about that? Well, those jurisdictions, there were when Rick did his study, there were 4,000. Today we have over 5,000 taxing jurisdictions. And when you, when you look at them, uh, all, many of them were, were created because the developers knew they could extort the revenues that they needed out of the property owners uh, to provide for the services and the uh, infrastructure that was necessary. Uh, we have one that I use an example here in Houston uh, called Piney Point Village. It is actually the richest uh, taxing jurisdiction in Texas. They have many multi-million dollar homes, but guess what? They've got zero uh, sales of goods and services in there. So you could have a zillion percent consumption tax that wouldn't replace it. Well, what's the solution? Those people are spending their money somewhere. Maybe it's as simple as 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 the comptroller doing a study to help determine what we need to do as far as redistricting these jurisdictions. Maybe it's a common combination of them. There are counties that um, that are out in West Texas that have very little, uh, very few people really not that much uh, sales, but it, it may be the, the part of the solution is to, instead of just having those jurisdictions, um, you combine them, maybe, maybe it goes countywide. These are the things that are the, the least likely to be encountered. I mean, there's, 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 like I said, Rick's study showed that we could replace 95% of it easily. And we're not talking about doing a cutover. Uh, this would be something that would be uh, migrated over time. Uh, go slow. I mean, we're not looking to hurt anybody, and and uh, and, and there, there, you know, it will it will take, like I said, some studies by the comptroller to determine where the where the issues are. And I'm an abolitionist, so I, I because of the principle of you know we 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 sh we deserve or there is an inalienable right that we should be able to own our property. I think it should be you know everybody should be free of it. But I, I, I agree that there's, there's going to be difficult areas where it's going to be um, hard to find a solution. 
And Rick says, well, you know, there's some places that may just have to continue with their property tax. And we may have to do that, like I said, as, as, as we migrate our transition over, those property taxes may remain until things like uh, debts are, are paid off and, and uh, bought down and whatnot. But, the, but that's usually where we wind up uh, going. Uh, the, the, the most difficult uh, part of the, of the proposal is at the local level. But uh, we find that, you know, Rick in Rick's study, he found that the majority of those local jurisdictions could indeed uh, convert from a property tax to a consumption tax with a broader tax base. What other questions did you have? It, that I mean, that kind of answered both of them. It, I guess the other one specifically would be what kind of pushback maybe you get from lawmakers specifically, right? Um, that maybe aren't on board or don't understand uh, the swap, right? The, the what you're actually trying to do with the bill. Hmm. I, to to be clear, I I don't want to interrupt you. I mean, like, there's you know, Texas has levied a, a, a property tax since its founding, right? And so this is like culturally, and we get this when we speak about it, it's like, it's, I'm not gonna say it's a difficult thing to talk about, but conceptually people have a hard time being, well, how do we fund schools? How do we do this? Yeah, sort of thing, you, right? you know, and you ask about, about the, how do we uh, fix the problem of overspending? Uh, my response to that is we're not, we're not trying to boil the ocean. Uh, we have, it is a huge challenge just to, uh, advocate for the elimination of these property tax. We're, we're talking about restructuring the Texas tax system. That's no small, that's no small, small challenge. And so I, yeah, there's the people want to talk about school finance. People want to talk about, you know, spending on like, there are plenty of other groups that are addressing that for eliminating property tax. Not so much. So we focus on that. We know there's other people that are advocating for uh, the other uh, priorities, and uh, we'll leave it at that. Now, there are things that are happening, and you know, you ask about the pushback. I mean, there, there's a lot of people, and, and you're right. Uh, the legislators will will come at it and say, uh, you know, especially the ones that have not really considered it, they'll say, "Well, how in the world can you eliminate property tax? You know, what's who, who's got? How are you going to fund the schools?" What? But we, if and I think that 20 percent of the time, uh, I get the or yeah. I, 80% of the time I get, I get the same questions over and over again. And, uh, and, it's, and it's usually these basic ones. And once people start to understand and acclimate to the idea that we could eliminate property tax, look, there are entire countries that fund their government in this world without a property tax. Uh, we, Texas can do it too. And it just, it just takes some time. People have to, uh, kind of, Think about it and see some some of the numbers, which uh, we've developed and provided, and then they 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 come on board. Uh, uh, the the other thing is that um, we're 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 not trying, like I said, we're not trying to uh, disrupt anybody or or make things worse. You know, we we know that this is going to take time and it's going to require study. And we expect that will happen. It has to be a solution that the legislature and the comptroller comes up with and implements. But we've got the framework and we've got the objectives in our bill. And um, we're going to we're going to see it filed again. And we're going to uh, push hard to get it not just in the House, but in the 
uh, Senate as well, because that's where we we need to go uh, in both chambers this time, uh, filing the bill. So we're, we're looking for advocates uh, on both sides of the, uh, the uh, legislature to do that at the same time. So uh, I, I like a lot of what you said. I, I like the fact that the bill is narrowly focused and that you're like, as you said, you're not trying to boil the ocean, right? Like it, it is probably the most convoluted issue I've ever dealt with. The The tax code is incredibly confusing. Uh, really? The fact that you're you're trying to simplify it, I think, is a, is a noble and a good pursuit. Uh, and specifically when it comes to kind of the grassroots and voters and taxpayers, uh, it's probably one of the hardest things to deal with. You, you mentioned you answered the same questions over and over again. We we do as well. And a lot of that is is just honestly ignorance of how property taxes work. And it's 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 understandable because the, the code is incredibly confusing and 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 they almost make it so. Right. And so uh, I guess the question I want uh, to ask you is. You know, you've created this this Facebook group, which is uh, incredibly impressive, in my opinion. I know it's just a Facebook group, but I'm a firm believer that before policy changes, culture has to change. Uh, and and in order to change culture, we have to interact with a lot of different people. And typically social media or the Internet is how we do that. And so what advice would you give taxpayers and voters who want to advocate for this issue? How best to effectively engage lawmakers since you do that on a regular basis? How do we we gather together and share ideas and really put support behind this? Because ultimately what's going to get a bill across the, the finish line is going to be pressure from taxpayers and voters. Because in my experience, lawmakers only do the right thing whenever they're pressured to do the right thing. Right. <laughs> so uh, there are a few good guys in there who, who, who are, but for the most part, when you're talking about the body as a whole, we need pressure uh, and any whether that's abortion or gun rights or property taxes that's that's the uh, the truth uh, in my opinion at least and so what advice would you give taxpayers uh, grassroots activists of how to kind of learn more about this and engage effectively with with lawmakers Jim that's the whole reason I started that group was because uh, I this is a repeat repeatable process you know we go through every legislature and you know there are best practices right? On, on what we should do to advocate for uh, a proposal or a bill that we want to, to see move forward. And I didn't find anybody doing that. I, I think that uh, people that you uh, have met with, which are also, we also collaborate with, uh, the True Texas Project is probably doing a good job of that. And it's basically like, well, what do I do? How do I get started? Uh, what's, what's the best, most effective thing to do? Um, this, you know, I shouldn't be starting with a blank sheet of paper. But I couldn't get those. I couldn't get that those uh, that information from from people I knew that were uh, really good uh, advocates that had experience in, in Austin. So I thought, well, I'm gonna, everything I'm going to do, everything I'm going to learn, I'm going to put out there in that group, and I'm going to try to empower this team to uh, take action. And one of the things that you know, I asked legislature says, I said, well, what is most important to you? What is the most impactful thing to you that influences your uh, thinking or your decision-making process. And uh, without doubt, all of them say face-to-face -face meetings, going face-to-face. -face. I know that's the most difficult thing for people to do. They want to do the easy thing. Let me sign a petition. Um, let me show up with a, with a T-shirt or something. But that's the most, if you're going to actually have a real impact, that's the best thing to do is meet with your legislature, legislators face-to-face. -face. 
even if they even if they're not open to it, you need to do it uh, because you miss one hundred percent of the shots you don't take. And I've tried to uh, create a few resources that uh, succinctly state: here's what you need to do, here's the tools to do it, you know, some some guidelines, uh, here's some handouts, things of that sort. Here's what we hand out when we meet with the legislators, uh, with legislators, and and what we leave behind that uh, summarizes our bills, things of that sort. The other thing I think that I found is, that was really effective, and because, look, okay, you think, well, send an email. Okay, well, we do that. We, we provide um, a template, a sample message, say, here's what we're, we're after. We're going after these guys. Uh, we want you to ask them to support our bill. Here's a sample message. And people will take that and, and, and send that email, or they'll take that and use it as a template for a phone call. And those are those are good. I, 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 but I have been in front of chief of staffs who picked up the phone to take a call from a constituent, and you can see he's sitting there. Yes, uh huh. Yes, okay, right. Uh, goes on for three or four minutes, and then he puts a tick down on a on a uh, notepad, and it turns out it's he's just getting a, getting a poll for or against. All the time that you wait, you spent telling that guy what you, you know, it comes down to a pick on a, a, you know, on a, on a pad of paper and it goes to the legislator as a for and against poll. Okay. So I'm not, I'm not sure that's doing much good, you know, getting the message across, but you know what I think we found is really effective Facebook. Uh, You go there as a constituent, especially, and you make a comment, and you know you do it in a civil and uh, respectful way has a big impact because one uh, they see that and they read it. A lot of them, I mean, I have engaged with legislators one on one through Facebook, with which maybe I never would have gotten before. Uh, that's incredible. I mean, to be able to actually you know chat with your uh, legislator on a Facebook uh, direct message or in the in the comments, pretty incredible. And, and more of them do it than you realize. And, and you don't know until you start doing it just how many are watching that. Why? Because their constituents, I mean, some of them have 10, 15, 20,000 uh, members that, that are part of their Facebook page. All those members are potentially reading that comment. That's a big impact. They want to, they want to respond to that, and they, they typically do. So even if you put your comment out there, and we, we have, you know, again, those sample messages work well to uh, use as comments as well to uh, you know say hey we want you to eliminate property tax um, they get some really uh, pretty incredible responses and and members will share those things with us and tell us when uh, they do get a response from their legislators and then of course guess what you can go over there and read them yourself so I think those are the two things that probably have the highest impact is that face-to-face meeting which I understand is the most difficult to do but I got to say, it's probably 10 times more uh, impact than anything else you can do. And, and, you're, and you know what? The legislators tell us they want that meeting with their constituents. They want that face-to-face meeting. Uh, and guess what? If you're not meeting with your legislator, somebody else is. They're called lobbyists. They don't stand out in front of the Capitol and picket. Uh, they don't make phone calls. They don't write emails. They don't, well, with one or two exceptions. They really don't testify in committees. 
They talk to your legislators. They're they're going face to face. And guess what? They're the ones that are making the laws. We have to do the same thing. We have to become face to face lobbyists with our with our legislators. And I have rarely gotten had a bad meeting with a legislator when I've met face to face with them. And guess what? It's fun. I mean, it's just great to meet them. They're just people like you and me. Most of them are happy to see us. And uh, it's, it's always been a very fruitful conversation. I've always learned things from them. Uh, those that want us to succeed are trying to help us by giving us insight and information. So get in touch with your legislator. That's the best thing you can do. And we need that. We need our, our members to take action. And that was that I went to talk to James White as a debrief after the session was over. And I had some questions for him that I wanted to get some feedback on. I left him alone during the, the session mostly. But I said, how did we get all of these co-authors and, and joint authors? Because I thought James was out evangelizing it or something. And he says, your group did that. That's the power of grassroots activism going face-to-face and, and contact. And we have members that have sent tens of thousands of emails to those legislators. They, that has an impact. If you can't do anything else, do something. And uh, make sure that you, uh, early and often, you know, is, is the way to inter- interface with your, uh, or, or to uh, engage with your legislator. That's, what, that's what's going to make this happen. People have said, you're never going to, eliminate property tax. I'm like, I never said this was going to be easy, but when enough Texans demand it, it will happen. We've already done it once, believe it or not. If you look back at the comptroller's article, long, long history of property tax, we actually did this in 1982. We eliminated property tax at the state level. We can do it again. I'm reminded when you say that as cheesy as it sounds, right? I, I always think back to my reading of of Human Action, right, by uh, economist Ludwig von Mises, right? And so, um, and I, I constantly try to tell people that when we go speak and everything, right, we constantly always also get the same question of, you know, how do I get involved? What do I do? And I wholeheartedly agree with Tim and uh, that, you know, it certainly takes a, a, a myriad of, of pressure. I think you're spot on. I think Tim and Tim would agree with me. We're both former legislative staffers or bureaucrats, exactly. right? And so like, I can tell you just from being inside the building for so long that that is absolutely correct. In-person meetings absolutely are more influential uh, just because in a way, as, as bad as it sounds, you're holding the lawmaker hostage when you meet with them, right? Like you're, you're talking to them. And of course they don't want you to leave in uh, uncomfortably or, you know, in dismay or anything like that. And so certainly I think leaps and bounds better than just a normal email or a phone call, which you should still do, right? Everyone. Exactly. Should still yes. All, all of the above. Yeah. So I, I'm encouraged to, to hear you say that. I, we, I think we definitely agree. And we try to advocate when we talk to folks that it's going to take, you know, some threshold of people to make change. Um, you know, I, I don't know what that amount is. And, and to be honest, it could be a limited amount of people. We've seen change happen with small amounts of people, as long as they exactly. do it effectively and strategically. So I think you're spot on there. Yeah. I don't think we need millions of people to do this. I think a, a small, active, persistent, and that's the thing that I think where the prior attempt failed is that nobody returned to carry it forward. And so it was a one and done kind of deal and, and it didn't go forward. 
we're by endurance, we conquer, you know, and that's what it's going to take. It's going to take persistence. Uh, it's, it's not going to happen in the next legislature. Probably it may be uh, uh, a couple more, but you know what, if we keep going, uh, it will happen. We just have to be persistent. Yeah. I, uh, I think the key is persistence. I think the realization that especially something as convoluted as property tax reform uh, is we're not going to snap our fingers and, and it's just going to magically go away. Like this is going to be a very, very long involved process. And and what is that saying? You know, men who are uh, willing to plant trees that they will never uh, experience the shade in or the ones who are going to change society for the better. And so we have to have that mentality that, uh, we're going to keep trying until we get it accomplished. Uh, and so we we love what you're doing. Uh, I'm inspired by how uh, well your Facebook group works, uh, how effectively y'all have gotten out the, the word of eliminating property taxes with, with a relatively small group of people compared to the, the population of Texas. And so... Um, we support you. Uh, it was great to have you on. We are we are out of time. I want to give you uh, just another minute uh, to plug your organization, websites, uh, Facebook groups. Where can people find out more about your group? How can they interact with the group if they want to eliminate property taxes? Uh, we have a web uh, page, of course. Uh, it's simply eliminatepropertytax.com. And the Facebook group, same thing. You just look for eliminate property tax. We were... Uh, First ones to get that name, so uh, it's it, we're easy to find. <laughs> and uh, I I I want to tell you guys I really appreciate your involvement with us, and I look forward to collaborating with you. Uh, this is what we wanted to do as well. Our our model was a Pennsylvania group that has been going at it since uh, early early two thousands, and we kind of modeled our uh, approach after them. And uh, I want to see us collaborate with the other groups. True Texas Project is one of them. Uh, there's, there's, there's a couple of others that have, that have joined in. We have, we have over 300, um, Facebook groups that we share our material out with our, our posts out. Uh, we think we're reaching, uh, in those group, a couple of million people. So it has, it has a big influence when, uh, when we, uh, re- reach out to other people like that. But you guys have, have done a lot and I, I'm real impressed with, with what you're doing. And I'm looking forward to us doing battle together to eliminate property tax. Absolutely. Uh, I think Jeremy and I are both in it for the long haul. Uh, we understand that yet again, you know, we're not going to snap our fingers and just be gone, but it, it we view it as an immoral tax uh, and it will, we will never be able to own our homes until we eliminate property taxes. And so that is the goal. Uh, we appreciate you, Russell. Thank you for being with us. Uh, I'm sure we will see you again soon, especially with legislative session happening. Uh, so until we meet next time, everyone go join that Facebook group, eliminate property taxes, check out their website. We thank you very much, Russell. Thanks, Tim, Jeremy. For even more content, follow us on social media at Texas Taxpayers on Facebook and Instagram at Texas underscore taxpayers on Twitter. Subscribe to The Fiscal Note, our weekly email jam-packed full of information important to Texas taxpayers at texastaxpayers.com slash subscribe. And then make sure to check out our Texas Prosperity Plan, texastaxpayers.com slash TPP. Thanks.